welcome to the Balanced Body Podcast. Yes, we are now Balanced Body. We have moved from MaxStormCoaching.com to Balanced Body because I've sort of taken over this show. And to make it more about my purpose, uh, I decided to change the name because even though we're still going to inspire, educate, and talk about growing our businesses to be successful uh, and uh, always will bring certain people on that I feel have inspired me and inspired other people uh, with owning a business and um, transferring into not owning a business and how they went about doing that. I will always share that great information because I do think it's very important. But most importantly, this is going to be more holistic and integrative. And I've kind of branched into that, but I didn't feel like it was okay to branch too much until I had changed into balanced body. Um, so I hope you, I hope a lot of you guys have stayed with me and you're going to continue to listen to balanced body. Uh, I appreciate all the listeners always, always um, grateful for that because as a teacher for 28 years now, um, I, I do think it is important to always learn and my purpose is to help people learn to become better and better first in themselves and then to go out and share this information and share and help other people, which is exactly what I'm doing. Um, today, I thought I'd start uh, first out uh, with Balanced Body talking about one of the most important things, topics I feel is in this industry, especially with helping people. And that has to do with the breathing, the respiration. And I've talked about it in the past. Um, I, I, I talked about it in the past because I had heard things uh, that sort of frustrated me because the information one isn't exactly right. And so I blah, blah, get on here and regurgitate my information to sort of set the story straight. Um, but today I'm going to talk, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more. And this might be a part two series to it because I'm not, I don't want to make it too long. Um, I have ADHD myself, and so 20, 30 minutes is, I think, is uh, enough time uh, before you, you need a break and then come back for more later. Uh, so today's topic, respiration and breathing. Why is it so important? Um, it is the most important thing to a complex integrated holistic system that works together functionally. And what bothers me is I see so many practitioners and so many personal trainings missing this most important step. And when I tell you later on the importance of the diaphragm, and there's so many things I can say about it, but it's so, so very important. And for people to neglect this, they're missing a major key into getting people to where they need to be. Luckily, I, I, I don't remember the last time I wasn't successful in getting somebody um, healthy and out of pain because I honor these systems and I honor this information. And so it, <clears throat> respiration is the primary mechanism to support our life. If we did not breathe for three to four minutes, our brain would go down, go dead. And obviously to the average person, five, six minutes, you would become a vegetable. Now, are there people, yogis out there that can hold their breath for a lot longer? 
Absolutely. And so I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the average person. Um, it's important that our respiration provides oxygen for cellular metabolism. It's really important that we convert food to energy, and that's cellular metabolism. Uh, it removes that waste product, the CO2. Um, we don't need to have too much CO2 in our body. It's it's important that we release that. And I, I get on my little bandwagon about meditation and meditation being a purpose of breathing because even if you do breathe correctly, because we have so many stressors in our life, if you check yourself throughout the day, you will find, I'd find it in myself, so many opportunities where you've switched your breath into upper respiratory. Or if you've evolved from an inverted breather, you go back into that inverted breather when you're exposed to memories or thought patterns that invoke that history, uh, those wounds that you have back in your life. And so it's a constant, it's a constant practice that hopefully we evoke in our life. And meditation does that for me. It's what, it's where I start. I start with my breathing and, and calming the breathing because if you're a monkey mind like I am, I, the breath, slow the breath, slow the mind. And then that, that allows for a healthy meditation thereafter. Uh, breathing properly functionally, diaphragmatically, allows us to maintain our acid-alkaline balance, our pH in the system. And so it's so funny because, you know, several years ago, we had this huge craze with alkaline water. Oh, everybody's got to drink alkaline water because we're too acidic. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, it, you know, you can only drink so much in a day. And what do you do more than drink water and eat food? You breathe. You breathe about 17,000 to 23,000 times a day. You do that the most of anything. So if you're going to have a, a greater influence, breathe right. That will be That will be a really important thing to do. Um, when we become too acidic, um, we become out of balance. Too acidic leads us to a sympathetic, sympathetic state. So we have parasympathetic and sympathetic. So sympathetic is fight or flight. Parasympathetic is rest, restore um, side of side of our um, system. And so uh, that shift in that pH, um, that acidity shifts our emotions. It shifts our perceptions and our and ultimately our reality. We be, when we become too sympathetic, um, and if and if we take it one step further, if you're too acidic, if you're too fight or flight, are do you tap into the right or the left brain? Well, it's the left brain. And is the left brain where you can come up with creative, creative novel ideas? No, it's not. If you're left brain dominant, you can only think of ideas that you've already thought of before. And that, and that my friend, is not always the best um, situation to be in. You know, it's really important that when we look at respiration, we look at the the function of uh, the cerebral spinal fluid flowing through our spine. Because every time you take an inhale, uh, the spine lengthens. Uh, the 
discs compress themselves. And so through the act of breathing properly or diaphragmatically, you have something called imbibition, which is a great opportunity for anybody who has discs injury injuries to heal their disc, which it takes approximately five, 600 days to do that. So breathing is super, super important because when we're breathing and we're straightening and lengthening our spine, which is approximately two centimeters, if we're if we're healthy, um, then we've got that imbibition that allows for toxic me- metabolic waste to be excreted from our discs. And, and we inhale, it allows for that release of the disc to then, uh, then bring in um, nutrients uh, to allow that further healing on those discs. Um, that's cerebral spinal fluid. As we inhale, this is a pump system with our breath. Our spine lengthens and flexes, lengthens and flexes. And then the cerebral spinal fluid has its pump system, which essentially goes and circulates circulates um, cerebral spinal fluid through the vascular system, which, which helps nourish the nerves. Um, and so when we think about breathing properly or diaphragmatically, we've got a, we've got a lymph duct that travels along the, the thoracic spine. And that, that movement of breathing is crucial for circulation within the lymphatic system, which if you're under, if you understand what the lymphatic system, essentially that's the immune system and, and immune system. What's so important about that? Well, my God, it keeps us away from cancer and an immune, immune system keeps us healthy. So it's really, really important. Um, the, the body is, we know how complex it is. It's the, the smartest person in the world doesn't still get a lot about the body. Uh, it's a system of systems. And so the respiratory system is at the top. And so what I mean by that is if we're holistic and we're integrated, then if the breathing mechanism is faulty and if ideal is diaphragmatic, and we'll talk about diaphragmatic, and if it's diaphragmatic, great, right on. But if it's faulty and if it goes into upper respiratory dysfunction, which upper respiratory means that when somebody takes a deep breath, they're essentially breathing from their chest. And there, there is no lower two-third breath um, in diaphragmatic where it comes from the belly and it creates an anterior posterior expansion and then it has a lateral expansion that moves in with a deep breath to a vertical expansion. You don't have that in upper respiratory. It's all in the chest and the shoulders, um, which we'll talk about later being very crucial to creating a lot of head and neck jaw issues. And so... And then we have inverted dysfunction or breathing. So inverted is when it's the opposite of diaphragmatic. And so when you inhale, rather than your belly expanding, you are sucking your belly in. And oftentimes this is that social programming or or that person that's insecure and is trying to, or they feel like they have a big fat belly and they're inhaling and keeping their belly sucked in so they don't appear to be or feel fat, um, which is unfortunate. Um, So if we think about respiration being top priority. Well, let me just talk about the manifestations of dysfunctional breathing. It, it, it can it can 
create compensation and all the systems that are below that hierarchy. And those systems would include the master mastication system. So the jaw, the jaw gets really messed up. Um, the ocular system, so the eyes can be affected. The vestibular system can be affected. The upper cervical can go into dysfunctional. Now, the upper cervical, we're going to talk about the cranial, the atlas, and the axis. And, and what happens is we get this, this distortion there that then manifests compensation on and everything below the body. And when we talk about that manifestation in upper cervical, if you haven't heard of atlas distortions, there's four of them. And you have the propensity to get one, two, three, or potentially four of those distortions with, with possibly breathing dysfunctionally. So you could get a tilt in your atlas, you could get a rotation, you could get a shear, or you could get a projection. All of those can cause serious problems, and they could cause issues within the organ systems. They can cause uh, problems within the um, sacrum, coccyx, and hips, iliums, and then all the joints below that, um, which would include the knees and the ankles, and then the vertebrae that lie below C3. So C3 all the way down to um, L5. So it's really important that we pay homage to the importance of the breathing mechanism. And it's something that we need to check. It's something that it's the first thing that we need to check within our, our clients. So we talked about the mechanism of breathing that that 17,000 to 23,000 times a day because on average there's 12 to 16 on that's average the average person healthy I don't know about that um, ideally uh, a healthy breath is anywhere between 6 and 10 10 breaths a minute depending on the resource that you're reading but the average medical information is going to say 12 to 16 is average. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that is a reference. So what's going to, what's going to, um, and, and, and I want you to think about this. You can do this experiment on yourself right now as you're listening, but because there's this uh, manifestation slash compensation in the musculoskeletal and the biochemical system and the digestive system, the mental emotional systems and the cognitive issue systems in the body, all this can transpire from a dysfunctional breath. And if you've got um, if you've got holding patterns in the body, muscular tension, it also can inhibit the breath. And and here's a great example. If you take a sit into a relaxed position and take a deep diaphragmatic breath, a deep diaphragmatic breath would be breathing into your belly button. So if I always tell my clients to place their hand below their belly button and breathe into the lower abdominal area, which should expand. And then as you continue to inhale, you're going to create that lateral expansion within the ribs. Okay. And what's really important about that is don't forget that if you've got somebody locked up in the thoracic spine, especially if they're in a rotary sport, that's detrimental to the shoulder joint and the neck and the lower lumbar. They're, that compensation from a, a stiff thoracic is absolutely going to cause issues there. So it's really important that if we see that breathing can, for, well, 
I always tell my client, breathing is going to give me a subtle mobilization throughout your thoracic spine because when we breathe deep breaths that create lateral expansion within the ribs, it those ribs attach to where? The thoracic spine. So when you're when you're lateral expanding, you're you're also mobilizing the thoracic spine into extension because inhalation is coupled with extension and it excites the extensor muscles. So that's that's all think about all that information that integrates. There's so much that has to do with the breathing process. So now on a, on this other note, this little uh, example, if you take a deep breath in a relaxed state. Focus on breathing diaphragmatic. Focus on that big belly expansion. And then take another deep breath, but tighten your fist as hard as you possibly can. And then take witness to that big expansion breath. If you're, if you're aware, you'll notice that with the tension within the musculoskeletal system, you can't take a deep, a deep enough breath. It is hindered or inhibited by the musculoskeletal tension. So in reverse that, what I just told you was breathing can help relax musculoskeletal tension. Okay. It can also, if it's dysfunctional, it can also create musculoskeletal tension, right? Okay. So if we talk about the respiration and part of the respiration begins with the diaphragm, which is such an important, one of the most important muscles in the body. My God, it is highly innervated. It attaches to all the ribs. It's innervated by C3, 4, and 5. And it also innervates to all the intercostal nerves. Okay. And it serves as a dual function. Number one, it is your respiratory muscle. And two, it's a stabilization muscle. So what I just told you was if somebody has pain or issues or compensation or motor control issues, you got to look at the stabilization system. And if you're not addressing the breathing mechanism, then you've missed an important essential part to getting them completely better. Now, some people may say, oh, well, I haven't addressed that in the past and I've helped my clients. Yes, I am sure you have helped them, but I can guarantee you, you haven't helped them 100% if you did not address the breathing mechanism. Okay. So when somebody breathes diaphragmatically, when they inhale, they facilitate the diaphragm. And secondly, on inhalation, they uh, um, address the external intercostals. Now, if somebody has a position where they haven't breathed right for a very long time, and when you assess somebody, you can tell. You can tell whether they're consciously breathing diaphragmatically or whether they're unconsciously breathing diaphragmatically. For me, I can tell whether it's acute or I can tell where it's chronic. I can tell that if, if they do breathe and it's conscious breathing and they know to breathe diaphragmatically, I can tell whether they're breathing diaphragmatically consciously because I said it and how long they've probably been breathing like that, how often they don't breathe like that. That's just the nature of experience. And you'll get that or you may already have it where you can easily assess that with an individual um, because you've seen enough bodies and you've worked on the breathing mechanism 
enough years that instinctually, intuitively, you can perceive that. Now, breathing diaphragmatically, exhalation um, accesses the internal intercostals, uh, the lung tissue, uh, the, it has gravity on the rib cage, and exhalation involves the action of the transverse abdominis. So with that being said, oh my goodness, that just gives you a ton of information because the, I just said the transverse abdominis. Well, the transverse abdominis is the root of all stabilization. Okay. So, um, uh, stabilization emanates from the core, um, force generation actually goes through the core, which is, which is starts with the transverse abdominis and then. Um, emanates out to the um, outer musculature. So, but I will tell you, if there is a lack of, if there's a lack of diaphragmatic breathing, that's roughly more than not breathing diaphragmatically, you're going to have inhibition in the abdominal wall. There is going to be weakness. And if you test it, you'll be able to feel it and you'll be able to see it. Um, So if somebody's in pain, obviously, what happens with pain? Transverse abdominis or inner unit shuts down. Okay. If you're in pain, what happens to the breathing mechanism? The research shows that when someone's in pain, that 12 to 16, which I could argue could be more like eight to 10, goes up to as much as 24 to 26 times a minute. So their respiration rate automatically then you lose that diaphragmatic and you'll go into sympathetic breath because of the pain patterns. Okay. So there's a lot of things that you've got to deal with when somebody's in pain, right? A lot of things. It's like, okay, what's the egg and what's the chicken here? I I need to work on their breathing pattern, but at the same time, I've got to get them out of pain. And that's, that's something that with each client's very, uh, it will depend on your expertise and what you need to do first. But uh, for me, it's always get them out of pain first. So then that they can breathe right. Um, super important. And so if they are not breathing diaphragmatically, if they are into dysfunctional breathing, which would include upper respiratory or an inverted breathing pattern, the usage of muscles on inhalation, we call these accessory muscles, they then utilize the sternocleomastoid. There's the scalenes, uh, the pec, the pec minor and major, uh, the serratus anterior, the serratus posterior would be used and serratus posterior superior, the iliocostalis and the levator scap. So, these are muscles that aren't breathing muscles that are being over-facilitated due to improper breathing. So what does that tell you when these accessory muscles are being overused? Do you think they're going to have a tight neck? Do you think they're going to have a distortion in their um, cranial upper cervical region? For sure. For 100% sure. So if they're going to get manual therapy and they're getting all this corrected, but you haven't addressed the breathing process, then it's just pissing in the wind. The money is being wasted. So there's, there is an order that needs to be done. When they're using accessory muscles, the muscles that are being used with dysfunctional breathing on exhalation, we just talked about inhalation, but on exhalation, 
would be the external, internal obliques, rectus abdominis, oh, the lower iliocostalis, the lower longissimus, serratus posterior inferior. So now these muscles are being over-facilitated, which are causing distortions, which are ultimately causing compensation in the body because they're not supposed to be used that much. How many times a day will they be overused if you're dysfunctional breathing? Yeah, about 17 to 23,000 times a day. Holy smokes. Um, that's a lot. And if they, like I always ask my clients, were you ever a singer or were you ever an athlete? And if they weren't, that's indicative for me, like, then this has been a long time that they've been breathing like this. Because a lot of times if they were an athlete or they were a singer, then the breathing in that time period was probably conducive, was probably accurate. It's then thereafter that they got out of college, got out of sports, got out of singing, that they got a desk job and they had kids and had all this emotional mental stress that put them into a sympathetic breathing pattern that which is ultimately dysfunctional. Okay. So when we breathe right, when we breathe diaphragmatically, what should happen is on this inspiration, as we inhale, the diaphragm should drop down. Okay. That's why the belly goes out because it's pushing on the organs that lie underneath the diaphragm that press on those organs, which creates a little big little belly, organs go out, and then the rib cage elevates and expands in all three planes. You have intrathoracic pressure, and then you have a decrease in intrathoracic, well, you have an increase in the intrathoracic volume, which it decreases the intrathoracic pressure. And so that's really important um, that when we understand that this person feels that it's a, it can be a focus as they are in their time of meditation to just focus on their breathing. And that's on the inspiration. And if you think about that, if you think about that proper breathing pattern, that essentially, if, if, if you diaphragm descending is like a pump and it's a pump on the organ systems and so it's a really good point to mention because when we are breathing diaphragmatically and we've created this equal acidic uh, alkaline state, we're not overly sympathetic, we're not overly parasympathetic, we're, we're about balance. We're never exactly even. We're a little bit one or the other. And so what's important about that is the diaphragm keeps the internal stress meaning in the organs, when these organs have the pump, then they can maintain uh, an optimal balance by excreting all the, the toxins in the waste, and then they can pull nutrients in and maintain a healthy state. So detoxifying the organ systems by way of the breathing mechanism of the pump, of the diaphragm, that's a huge, huge purpose. And so... If the internal system doesn't have that pump and it doesn't have that detoxification, it becomes stressed. It's toxic. It's stress. So you have internal stresses going on. And then when a person encounters external stress, which there's a lot of it, they have external stress. Already on an internal stressed body, these people are cray-cray. These people are reactive. They're not 
responders, they're reactors, and we've all seen them. We've all been in company with them. And these are the kind of people you run from because their energy is so spastic and chaotic and stressful. You're just, you just don't want to be around them. Got it. So why is it so important to meditate? Mm. One important reason is to get this balance in your body, to get this mechanism. Because if we talked about the transverse abdominis, part of this healthy process for this individual, if they do need stabilization and they do need to get out of pain, then it's really important that they spend time breathing so that we can get out of pain faster. For me, it's all about as fast as possible. Um, and sometimes fast isn't good, but still I have to see progress. And I do believe that progress can happen all the time. If you're not going forward, then you're going backwards. And so finding modifications, finding ways to inspire your clients to do what they need to do. It is the beautiful challenge of, of what we do. I love it. Um, I love, 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 love it. So when we are functionally breathing through the diaphragm, diaphragmatically on expiration, the diaphragm goes back up. The rib cage descends or contracts, and you have a decrease in intrathoracic volume, which increases the intrathoracic pressure. And so that's the beauty of all this mobilization slash pump slash cerebral spinal fluid slash healthiness that needs to take place 17 to 23,000 times a day for the health of the individual. We've got to... You know, the one thing about when I, when I talk to my clients, it's one of the easiest things that you can do. You don't, I'm not telling you to go anywhere. I'm not telling you to buy anything. I'm telling you just sit in your, when you're in your car, when you're at your desk, when you're watching a movie, when you're watching a TV show, and just work on your breath. Easiest thing you do. You've got to breathe anyway. So why not choose to breathe correctly so that you can serve the health of your body? Okay. So we're going to talk about in the second part, because there's, there's, I just thought of a couple other things that I really want to talk about, and that is how to, how to get somebody into this, um, the, these modification processes to breathe right. Because I will say, um, working at a pain clinic, um, working for 18 years in holistic um, um, movement, Breathing, 99% of my clients don't breathe right. And there are the, the ones that have been in pain for a very long time. They really have not been breathing right for a very long time. And it is hard and it's very mentally, emotionally challenging for these people because you can do it right. You show them how to do it right. And they perceive it to be pretty easy, but they can't do it and they can't grasp that. It becomes very frustrating for them. So it's important that we use tips and suggestions that, again, for me, to get them there as fast as possible so they can get better as fast as possible. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end right there. When I come back in part two, we're going to talk about inhalation, what it's coupled with, and the movements in our body. We're going to talk about um, the stability component, the other muscles that work into this core integration slash stabilization system and some cues and tips on how to, how to get somebody breathing properly fast. And um, so, yeah, sink into that information. Think about it for a little while. If you need to listen to it again, because sometimes I can talk 
fast. I try not to, but I just get really excited about the information. And I try to repeat myself in different words so that you get it. Um, But I'll be back in part two. We'll talk more about it. Don't forget, if you have any kind of questions, I've got all these podcasts that were on Max Storm previously on my website, balancedbod.com. I couldn't get Balanced Body, so I had to get balancedbod.com. You can go on there and download any of those that you need. Um, You can also go on there, give me a comment question like, okay, I'm having this problem with this client. I can address it. I love I love challenges. I love challenge cases. I don't I typically don't take clients that are super easy. I will just refer those out because 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 I do charge a lot of money, that then gives me those challenge cases that a lot of people haven't haven't gotten help from others. Um, and it's fun for me. It's 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 fun to have those challenging cases and to see if you can help. And it's also very rewarding. I'm sure if you guys um, experience the same thing in your own practice. So I'm going to end today. Have a wonderful, great day. Make it productive to the point where you have peace, joy, and happiness in your life. Always, always, always. Um, appreciate comments. Appreciate listening. Um, go out and inspire and motivate. And I will too. See you next time.